0: Welcome to Van is The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Uh, today's episode was a very important one for me. Um, we're sitting down with Jared Hill and Shar Jossel. Jared is a man that I met uh, last year when I did a panel that he moderated over at the NABJ. He is a, a journalist, an activist, um, and a member of the LGBT community. Shar is a transgender woman. Um, Uh, who is a uh, journalist and activist and um, sort of commentator as well, uh, who is also uh, obviously a member of the LGBT community. I I felt it was important to have this discussion with both of these people who are uh, African-American and who are out front in the battle for not only respect and uh, rights amongst Uh, from America at large, but really, if we're being honest, uh, trying to make their experience normalized, accepted, and embraced amongst the African-American community. The point of this podcast uh, is very simple. Just how hard is it being black and gay? Just how hard is it being black and transgender? Uh, It's an experience that we've talked about on the podcast a little bit. Um, I often talk about my sister who's currently mad at me, she's always mad at me, Uh, but she lives in Louisiana as a lesbian woman and I've watched firsthand her bravery and her uh, relentlessness in asserting herself and uh, being fearless about who she is, who she loves uh, and her life. Um, And it hasn't always been easy uh, down there in Baton Rouge and it hasn't always been easy, quite frankly, with the members, of the black community there. So the question is, is there a problem um, with the way black people deal with the LGBT community? Uh, how much harder is it? And what do we have to do to bridge this gap? Uh, both Jerry and Shah are brilliant. Um, they were able to educate me, not, not only about their experiences uh, growing up and coming out and coming to terms with things, but also about um, just how close or distant they feel to the community that they've worked so hard uh, to champion and to be a part of. Please. I know everybody got their thoughts, man. Open your hearts, open your minds, open your eyes. Listen to Jared and Shar. It's going to be a great podcast. Now, I've decided to do something that I never thought that I would do. I am seriously Going to give up porn. First of all, the why. There's somebody that I was talking to uh, about coming on this podcast and talking to them via DM. Now, if you communicate with me via Twitter DM, there is at least a 15% chance that I've accidentally sent porn to you. This is a fact. What happens is I'll be on my Twitter DMs, uh, I'll be on my Twitter. Uh, throughout the day or whatever and some porn will pop up on the timeline. I don't want to look at it then because I'm at work and I'm focusing, you know, and also because I don't want to be the guy at work looking at porn on his phone. Everybody is like, that's the thing. So what I'll do is I'll then DM that to myself, check it out later. A lot of times with the way the app works on Twitter, if you're in a DM conversation with someone, it just takes one click for you to send it to the wrong person. This has happened to both men and women, you know, it happened to one of my homeboys. I sent him something. He was like, yo, fam. Well, you know, it's, it's jarring. Because first of all, it, you don't really want people to know exactly what you like all the time. It's something that's very personal. Um, but I was in a DM conversation with someone, uh, a very prominent figure, who I happened to have some disagreements with, who was going to come onto this podcast. And I accidentally sent them some porn last week and had to <laughs> really apologize very profusely Uh, for that mistake. And it was a mistake. And once again, I apologize to that person now, but it really was a mistake. I wasn't trying to do it. But it's very hard to to convince people that you're not trying to do it when you do it. So I decided that at this point in my life, I need to focus. This is not in any way, in any way, okay, to shame or to come down on either porn performers or sex workers. A lot of you guys out there that treat porn performers and sex workers like they're something like second-class citizens, what you guys are hypocrites. Porn situation, multi billion dollar a year industry. We're talking four or five billion dollars. So right now, I have a list of the top websites in the world. Number six, number seven, and number eight are Pornhub, X-Videos, and XNXX.com. That's ahead of Twitter, that's ahead of Instagram, that's ahead of eBay. Reddit, X Hamster is 17. That's two above Netflix. So y'all not watching Stranger Things. Y'all doing Stranger Things. So I'm not coming down on porn stars or porn performers when I'm saying I'm stepping away from the porn life. Okay, now, before I do this, though, I'll be very remiss not to give all of the porn performers and all of the people who have made my porn journey up to this point uh, so sublime their props, which is what I'm about to do right now. We're about to do the Red Pill Podcast, Van Lathan Lifetime Porn Achievement Awards. To me, the greatest porn star of all time, Obsession. I don't know where Obsession is right now. I don't know what she's doing, but she was the best. Shout out to Janet Jackme, Diana DeVoe, Sabara, Maya Lovely, Melrose Fox, some of my Latinas, Okay, shout out to Isis Taylor, fantastic. Alexis Breeze, amazing. Mia Martinez, live revamped. In the Asian category, this is the greatest Asian porn stars of all time to me. Asia Carrera, Nautica Thorn, Jessica Bangkok. (laughs) Uh, Love them, love those ladies, okay. in The white girl category, uh, here's the thing about the white girl category, it's tough because there are some white girls that should be in the white girl category that you find out don't work with brothers, then you can't really watch their porn. You gotta be disciplined when you're talking about saving the people. So in the white girl category, Jada Stevens, greatest white porn star of all time. Uh, Rachel Starr, uh, Abella Danger, shout out to Abella. That's my home girl. The fellas, I know y'all get treated poorly. They treat y'all like props. They act like y'all just a stick with some muscles. But I'm going to give the fellas, some of the fellas over the years, some props, all right? Wesley Pipes, you talk too much during the scenes, everybody knows that you do. But Wesley Pipes was the man for a very, very long time. Uh, A guest of the Red Pill podcast, we had him here. My homeboy, Nat Turner, who was disrespectful enough to uh, name himself after an important black man in history. But he said it's Nat Turner, not Nat Turner. J. Mack. From the Bang Bros whole situation, Reality King's down there in Miami. Shout out to J-Mac doing his thing. And how could I forget? How could I forget the legendary Jake Steed? Greatest amateur porn site of all time? girlyflix.com. I think that's still active right now, but it's not the same way that it used to be. Digital Desires I also love. Greatest porn movie of all time? Merck. Wow. Merck is a fantastic film. Okay? Everybody... Is in Merck. All right, you got Nat's in Merck, you got Million Blue, uh, you, uh, you got all kinds of different people that are in Merck. And it's a good movie, too. It's a good movie. Greatest porn site ever. I, I gotta give it to my homeboys at the network, bangbros.com. Now to the directors uh, is Lexington Steele, Jackie St. James, uh, representing for the ladies, Diana DeVoe, great director, um, and also Kevin Moore over at e- Evil Angel. I did not want to leave the porn life without giving people their roses. The roses might be a little bit sticky, but I want you to have your roses. And also, once again, it was good while it lasted. You guys, a quick moment of silence. Van Lathan's porn life, 1993 to 2019. Boys to men were here right now, they would sing. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I'm not deleting the shit I already have. I'm just, I'm not going to get any new shit. I'm just, fuck it. I, like, it, it the, the new shit, it took me a long time to get to the point that I'm at. All right, so just no new porn. Okay? I'm not going to watch the old stuff as much. I'm going to do my fucking best. You know what? Bye. How y'all doing, man? Good. 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 Uh, great. Yeah. You know what we do here at the Red Pill? Have you guys ever listened to the podcast before? I listen to like clips of it all the time. Right. Same. Who claps for us before the podcast? Do you know? Shar <laughs> knows the answer to that. Shar and Jared. Do you guys know who clapped for us? The white people clap for us. White people clap for Shar and Jared. Shout out to the white people. <laughs> Thank you. White Thank you.
1: People. Thank you. Black person don't feel obligated.
0: Yeah. 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 So you yeah. don't have to clap.
1: Yeah, you did you <laughs> She was like, <laughs> and
0: I didn't. Red pill. Um, You guys made it. Why don't you introduce yourselves to uh, my podcast listening audience before we get started?
2: Sure. My name is Shar Jacell. I'm a do I say what I do and stuff or Tell, man, whatever you want to say. Oh, okay. Well, okay I'm Shar Jacell. I'm a freelance entertainment reporter and yeah, I think that's all I want to say. Okay.
1: Right. I'm Jarrett Hill I'm a journalist and uh, writer and yeah, I do radio and television, yeah. and uh, write online with various different outlets. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Now, me and Jared wow, met uh,
0: uh, almost a year ago. Yeah, we I did a um, a panel discussion.
1: Yes, you did our Black Men in Media panel for uh, the National Association of Black Journalists of Los Angeles. Where I'm the vice president. Yeah. We had you on our panel. Uh, it was me, it was Crummo,
0: uh Laurel. Yes, and what's the other brother from Extra? Scotty.
1: He's from Access.
0: Scott oh, Evans. How dare you? His My name bad. is Scott Evans. Scott Evans. So, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> panel. Yeah, it was really good. It was really amazing. Informative. Um, I was in attendance. <clears throat> yeah, remember I met you there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all um we all talked. Um now Jared and I had been talking uh in the wake it was initially in the wake of the Justice Millette situation. Not just Justice Millette's whole ordeal, which has now played itself out into soap opera levels of insanity and absurdity, but about I think I called you about what I felt like the reaction to the Justice Smollett case was mm-hmm. speaking to me was saying to me right and it was saying to me that uh, the issues surrounding and I don't want to I'm not putting anybody in boxes here sure when, when Jared and I were having this conversation I was having this conversation just to call him and, and get an understanding of as a black man in society uh. What is meant for you um, to feel safe and empowered, with also being a gay man? Yeah, and you're outing me on the Red Pill podcast I'm right sorry. now. Sorry, how dare was you? That, was, that, was that not? Was, was, <laughs>
1: this took a turn really quickly. We need to call your parents. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs>
0: Jesus. No, but but seriously, when we, when we when we were having the conversation, um it was. It was about the fact that I thought, initially even, a lot of the backlash that we saw was because people did not feel a certain oneness with Jussie mm-hmm. uh, as, as in the community sure. because he was gay. Yeah. Um, and we, had a, we, had, we talked about having a discussion where uh, we bar- brought people from the LGBT community in and we just talked to them, uh, our community... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that also overlaps with the lgbt community and we just spoke with them black straight folks black gay folks and like kind of have some kind of About Synergy there. Yeah, what 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 is the thing right like why and how? We move past whatever the thing is yeah. um, and we've just beginning to have a dialogue and this podcast is Sort of uh, that coming to fruition now Shar, we had met at the um,
2: at the NABJ panel that you spoke at. At the NABJ at. panel, mm-hmm.
0: and you represent—I once again, not to put people in boxes, uh, but a sort of a, a, a different part of the community. Yes. Um. And why don't you tell people?
2: I'm tr- I'm a trans woman. Okay. I'm black and trans, so mm-hmm. yeah. He didn't want to out
0: you like he did me. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. To. My right. bad, bro. <laughs> Listen. Like my bad, man.
0: Just I so I mean, let's start it off this. Let, before we even get into this grand discussion of all of these sort of really high concept things. Let's just talk about each one of you guys, your experiences with like sort of growing up and dealing with this um, and maybe just we have a narrative for people that they can kind of understand you a little bit better
1: sure yeah um it's interesting because you, you said our community um uh, talking about black folks because i always introduce myself as being a black man a gay man and a black gay man because i feel like those are, are distinct different things Laura. um and so like for myself i knew that i the first time i ever liked a boy was, I was six years old in first grade. I was on the playground and Craig Hurst was across the playground and he had remember a the name.
2: I do. <laughs> I do.
1: Okay. I remember Craig Hurst and Erica Swetland and they were like this cute little white people couple uh-huh. and, sorry, white people. All right. And uh, I remember thinking that he was pretty and I wanted to be his friend. And uh-huh. as an adult, we call that attraction, right. right? But like back then, I just, I didn't get that. Um, and then I didn't know how to how to put language to that until Mm -hmm. I was like a teenager. I saw Greg Louganis on the Oprah show talking about being HIV positive and being gay and like knowing how much backlash he had gotten. And I was like, Oh, that's what this is. That's, that's what I am. I remember like watching talk shows and seeing like gay and bisexual people and feeling like something was interesting about them but not being able to make the connection. And then seeing Greg Louganis, I was like, oh, that's what that is. Uh-huh. But even then, I still didn't feel like I could say that out loud. I felt like I know that there's something different about this and I don't know nobody else saying this shit, mm-hmm. right. so I'm not gonna say it. And then what? I didn't come out until I was 19, so like I never dated throughout high school, through elementary, middle school, or high school. Um, and so my experience didn't start until I was in college as a, yeah. as an out gay person. Um, the first time I went out to a gay bar with a friend who kind of convinced me to go, um, I walked in and like the first person I saw was someone I had a crush on in wow. middle school <laughs> and I thought he was straight. And uh-huh. I was like, what are you doing here? And uh-huh. he was there with like a good friend of mine and I was like, I was i felt immediately outed the moment i walked in the door wow so that didn't when you saw him that didn't make you feel any sense of relief i was so confused because i'd always known that he was straight in yeah. my mind yeah and he's like there with his shirt off mm-hmm. dancing you know mm-hmm. how the guys do it and i was just like
0: i nah, was how so do the gays do it? we don't know
1: oh i mean you're know, like if gays are in the club <laughs> yeah. and they have the right body yeah, it. they're half naked, it, half naked, sweating with their shirt around, like around their waist or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was just right. like, Showed I was so jarred by that. Like, to you, you walk in to a gay bar, you're not out, you're trying to be inconspicuous. And literally the first person you see is someone that you've known since middle school. I was really jarred by that. So yeah. that was kind of the beginning for me. Mm.
0: Mm. Sure.
2: Well, for me, um, I want to start this off by emphasizing that sexuality and gender expression are two totally different things. Not Word. that anyone has conflated Which them really here. Yeah. Sure. No, no, no. But uh, for me, um, I much like Jared. I didn't have language, and this is why representation is important because I initially came out as gay when I was maybe fifteen, fourteen. But mm-hmm. I literally came out because I felt like. Everybody was telling me that's what I was and I reached a point. I've always been hyper feminine. It was no never any type of like You know like in comparison to like Caitlyn Jenner. I wasn't competing in decathlons I wasn't in the on the football team like Mm -hmm. my presentation was never uh, Anything of that hyper masculine road. So most of my life. I've been especially in my um teenage years. I've been presenting at least non-binary and so for me I did not have the language. I came out as gay when I was 15 because that is what everybody told me that I was. And it was not until my early 20s when I first came across and had the pleasure of meeting uh, Janet Mock that I saw, okay, this, this, this aligns more with what I feel. Um, and I know that prior to meeting her, prior to crossing paths with her, one of my, I guess, fears was how I'd be viewed as a trans woman, because up until that point, the only examples I'd seen of trans women had been like punchlines in the media or, or, you know, these salacious topics on Mari and Jerry oh. Springer and things like that. Right. And I knew that I wanted to lead a professional, fulfilling life, you know, both on the professional and the personal side. I knew that I didn't want to be viewed as some type of. Um, I guess like in the 90s and early 2000s, a lot of trans women in particular were viewed as like side shows, freak shows. Uh But those were the trans women that oftentimes you could tell that they were trans. Mm. You know, there were certain defining like secondary characteristics that a lot of people look at with on, on a lot of women and even men and decide like, wait a minute, some, something's different about that one type thing. So uh, like I said, it wasn't until I had seen Janet in my early twenties that I was like, okay, this is it. Right. Like see, literally just seeing her example and seeing her move throughout the world. I was like, okay. Th- this is, is why,
1: as you say, representation is so important. It, it
2: is.
0: Both of you it guys is. just spoke about that, by the way. Both yeah. of you guys yeah. just spoke about how important it was for you to see someone, um, I guess, sort of living uh, a, a lifestyle that you could, or, excuse me, living a life that you could identify with. Sure. And that was something that helped you sort of access that same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being black and in those spaces, was there do you feel like I mean obviously at a point there were less examples that were being mm-hmm. embraced right like <laughs> obviously so now that first of all talk about that talk about specifically your experiences being black yeah because what I what I can tell you is like just from being my sister's a, a lesbian mm-hmm. and so from having been around her especially in Baton Rouge I know that there are a whole different other set of issues that go along with that, and oftentimes, <clears throat> as a community, we, we're either embarrassed or ashamed to discuss these things because we feel like they said something bad about us, mm-hmm. or we're just embarrassed about them uh, in particular. Sure. So you said Greg Luganis, you said Janet Mock, was there any point in your community it's someone that you could touch or could be tethered to that you ever felt like you could identify with until you saw the, the, those people.
1: Um, like in my in my actual world, yeah. Um, there were other because like people would call me names. Like they'd call me a faggot. They'd call me all these different things in school. But like I didn't identify with it, and I was always really resistant to that. Right. Um, but there were other students in school who were gay or like presented like something's different here Uh Um, and like also like I think there's something about us that's similar but I couldn't name it yeah Um, and then I remember like always actually kind of Feeling like the opposite magnet kind of thing, like not wanting to get too close to them. Yeah. Um, because. Oh
0: wow! Because you didn't want uh, people to think that about you. I think subconsciously, yes. Right. I
1: I, I didn't have that like consciously, like oh, stay away from Steven or yeah. oh, stay away from Jay. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? It was more like mm, no. Yeah. Uh, and then like my senior, my junior year was the first time I'd really even interacted with the guy I'm talking about in high school, and I was like, we hung out and like. <laughs> So gay. We were a part of like a dance team that was doing wow. a, a rally for wow. a man. watch it. Wow. <laughs> Tread lightly. Wow. I hear you, white people. Okay. No, but wow. yeah. But like, it was like we had like a rally or something, <laughs> yeah. like a homecoming rally or uh-huh. some shit. And so uh, and like that was like the first time we'd interacted, but like we were never really close. And so it was always like someone like in the periphery that was never close. But like I grew up super Christian. So like mm-hmm. I was in church. I was in my grandfather, my uncle's church when I was born. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I, I stayed in church all throughout my life. And so I had always heard these messages. About God hating gay people, you know, God didn't make you that way. You weren't born that way I had heard all of those messages and then when I came out My parents were saying to me like you need to pray you need to be delivered you need to go to church You need to you know, you need to change that and like the the real problem for me was like I also believed that so Mm -hmm. my parents were not saying something to me that I was like super resistant. Wow. Yeah, I hated that part of myself as much as they did damn and so i like very quickly like started to spiral into depression where i would be at work i was a barista at starbucks and like i would be doing my job and like you know working with people and then like i would go on a 15 minute break and go sit in my car and within seconds i would just be like so sad and Mm -hmm. so like down and low and i remember one day very specifically like sitting in my car on break and like it's raining outside and having been out and trying to figure out like, God, what do you want me to do? And just praying like, I have prayed for years for you to take this away and for me to be able to change this and for it not to be true. Um, and nothing has happened. So I'm giving that up. If you don't want me to be gay, it's obviously something that you're going to have to do God. So, I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to like worry myself about this all day, every day. And if you would have it to be changed, then I, I trust that you'll change At it. At what point in your life are you having this conversation? with? 19. I come out uh, in November to my mom, uh-huh. and this was like spring, summer of the following year. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, I was overwhelmed with it, and like I, there was like you'll hear a song, and like the lyrics will be like will resonate with you, and it'll make you start crying, and you're like, why am I? A guy, right. like you know that kind of thing, right. and it was like, oh, because I feel this, and that song for me was from this this movie called Camp. It's called Here's Where I Stand, and mm-hmm. she's saying like line. this Here's who I am, like um, love me but don't tell me who I have to be. Right, um, and yeah, I I, I it, that was the moment for me
2: that I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. My experiences are a little similar to yours, but also very different because I, too, was raised in the church Mm -hmm. like from inception. But my parents have this running joke that I've always been headstrong. Mm -hmm. I've always known what I wanted, when I wanted it and how I wanted it to be done. And so I really wasn't like within my black experience, because I'm even HBCU alum and Langston University Park Atlanta. Really? Southern. And uh, Oh, Southern. Okay. Yeah, real school. And so, <laughs> oh, are we doing this Are we doing this, hierarchy we doing thing? this now? After, after a week after a homecoming? Like, right. How dare you? Right after right. homecoming. We're supposed to be unified oh. right now. <laughs> um, and so my experience uh, was just a lot of policing, but people couldn't stifle what I knew to be true. Um, my father, primarily, uh, some of my uncles, there'd be things that I was like, kind of like pushed into sports and things, but it wasn't a general interest. Interest. Like, yeah. I wasn't interested in necessarily feminine things, but I was more so artsy. I, I liked yeah. playing the viola. I had been in choir my whole life. I, I liked martial arts, for example. Uh, but it was, like I said, my experience within growing up um, in my identity and being black at the same time is just a lot of policing. Why are you walking like that? Why are you talking like that? But crazy as it may sound, none of that really stuck on me. Mm-hmm. Like, it never really stuck on me. It just yeah. was like, Even I can remember being like eight and being like, okay, girl, like this is what, I mean, not as confident as I am now, but just kind of like, this is just what it is. Like I cannot, I don't fit in any other box. My peers didn't make it any more comfortable. Uh, Most of my friends, matter of fact, all of my friends growing up were girls. I was the only one that Mm -hmm. was not a cis woman, you know, in, in the group, a cis girl, excuse me, in the group. Um, And so uh, for me, like that first bit of representation as to like, I want to be that, it was actually this woman who uh, sang in the choir, the adult choir at my church, who I really just gravitated to. She was in her early 20s at the time. I think I was maybe in my maybe 12 or 13. And I, at the time, I remember masking it like a crush, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was telling my parents, like, I, I have a crush. But it was, I really wanted to be her. <laughs> <laughs> she was vivacious and just vibrant and popular and pretty and just, and so, but I find that a lot of my, uh, like, school experience and adolescence, when I did say, like, when I was in third fourth grade saying that I had crushes on girls, it was that I either wanted to be, like, their friends or I mm-hmm. wanted to be them. I wanted... Boys passing me notes. You know, not that yeah. that's the basis of my existence, but But when you're that young, when I was that, yes, yeah. that's what I equated with girlhood, so right. to speak. And so, uh, yeah, it, it certainly was not easy navigating the intersections of being uh, non-binary at the time and black. Right. But I mean, I forged forward even at an HBCU um, when I was an undergrad and having people constantly police, even faculty and staff constantly oh, try without to a doubt. Yeah, to, try to try to try to police yeah. me and try to stifle everything, and it just was. I think I was also just very confident because my parents, even with my dad trying to silence my voice at the time, I don't think they realized how much they had instilled in me as far mm-hmm. as like life lessons and mm-hmm. confidence. Right, mm-hmm. and so they're
0: directly they're giving you tools that are directly empowering you. Yes. That they don't be, want you to use them to, to be to
2: something yeah. that they might yes. not want you to be. Yes, absolutely. to
0: be yourself, even and they, and they don't want, but they've given you you the tools to be strong enough to do yes, that. Yes.
2: And it was in, in different areas I was being affirmed. Um, so while I was being met with resistance, I still had enough of my, like, internal compass mm-hmm. to still, for the most part, steer myself. I mean, with the guidance and help mm-hmm. of certain adults in my life. But to steer myself, because even at 15, when I mentioned earlier that I had come out, like you said, Jared, that when you were 19, um, like, it took you a while, mm-hmm. right, to, to get on the flow versus me. I was, I was like, instantly, like, sexually active. Like, mm-hmm. I was not resisting. Okay. I was the person that you would have resisted. Okay. You know, subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there were people that I went to school with who now I'm friends with mm-hmm. who they were like, Char, I just couldn't. I, can I, can
0: I, can I could could question. Lie. Was there a part of you that once you decided to come out and once you decided to, that you were so uh, sort of out there and open with it because it was almost like a fuck you to people that might yes,
2: have. Yes. Yes. Uh, that certainly fueled it like um I, when I was in college I worked in cosmetics that's my background. So I worked at Sephora, I worked at Macy's and so I did all I did different <laughs> experimental things with makeup right. and hair and fragrance. It's just things that I naturally like. Yeah. Uh, and so um that was that did couple especially when I was in cuz my um my uh alma mater is in Oklahoma mm. so it was a lot of stifling coming from all different directions and so mm. a lot of my appearance was rooted in the big middle finger I- I'm gonna ask a very basic question here yeah. Just very basic question so um, we all have
0: accessing your sexuality accessing sort of uh what you like sexually who you are your identity it's such a natural thing like when you think about it it's it's such a natural thing right i don't remember a time where there was an epiphany that i had that i like girls i just remember going yo her i mean very very early on Mm -hmm. and i just remember as a kid uh that being celebrated right Mm -hmm. from my like my dad my dad looks at me like oh look at that boy I was like, like look, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> well, I, see, I, 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 I see an older woman and I, oh, he's managed. Look at that boy. Like, right. man, he loves. Yeah, like managed. He, he managed. He loves women. He loves women. What is it like to be having all of those natural feelings that are inside of you and things that I'm expressing, things that are being coaxed out of me, and having to hide, suppress,
1: and bury them. So we talked about growing up super Christian, and like after I came out, uh, I went away to college, and then I came back for like that first time you come home, like for Christmas, like or Thanksgiving or, yeah, Christmas. or Christmas. Okay, Christmas. And I was at church, and the pastor was preaching, and he said, "Single mothers don't let your boys grow up to be punks and sissies." The pastor said this. The pastor said this in the pulpit during a sermon. And I remember God like, damn. I remember like. I, I used to work in uh, A.V. at the church before I left. So I was like in the A.V. booth, like looking down on the sermon. And I was just like. What? Damn. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's the hate speech that I used to hear on the playground. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's not God. That has more to do with. In movement. a
0: home and a house is supposed to be filled with love. Right. Yeah. Where you're supposed to be safe. Exactly. Where you're supposed to be protected in a place where you're supposed to be. It's supposed to be filled with love. Exactly. And
1: I remember thinking like those are the words that I heard on the playground when people were like pointing at me, laughing at me mm-hmm. or like ostracizing me. And like, those are the words that made me not say something, right? That made me not talk to a boy that I thought was, was attractive or whatever. That made me not feel comfortable in whatever I was trying to figure out in myself until I was like 19 years old, right. right? And so like, we know like, when I was six years old looking at, at Craig and Erica, Craig and Erica were boyfriend and girlfriend in first grade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But like, Basically all that means r- it was sharing graham crackers. Exactly. And maybe, yeah, holding, right? hands. maybe, maybe holding hands. Maybe holding hands at recess. Although I will say this, down in Baton Rouge, by the time oh. we got to like the fifth grade, it was getting a little bit more advanced. Well, right. It, it, it was fifth like, it, it,
2: grade? Fifth grade? Oh yeah, well, the high and go
0: get it action? Oh, okay. Oh, y'all know that high and go get that. it action. Also knows who you're so, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right, right? But yeah. Like, but I'm i I'm serious. By old. the way, I don't wanna act like here on the Red Pill Podcast that we're endorsing children doing these types of things. Just, I'm just wanna be clear for the sponsors. That we that we did them. <laughs> so get out my fucking Instagram comments <laughs> with all of this shit, man. Sometimes shit happens like chill. Van, but anyway, you feel attacked right now. I, I, I no by I the comments that haven't been made yet. The comments haven't been made. But I know that they're coming. But you I'm can the, feel them. Too. I feel them. That's Did fair. you hear Van talk about kids should be having sex in fifth grade? That's not what I said. That's, That's not what you said. What he said. What I said was we not played what inappropriate said. games.
2: <laughs> yes, which is yes. common yeah. amongst kids. Right. I played
1: inappropriate games, but I also would not like to be canceled because of them. Thank you. Yes. So damn. we're clear. Mm-hmm. But yes, but like those, like I heard in the in the church that day, like things that made me be quiet. Right? That that like. Passively told me, like, whatever Mm -hmm. you're thinking, feeling, questioning, asking yourself about, like,
0: don't say that shit out loud. Because that's how we learn, right? We learn by the environment. The environment teaches us, right? There are all kinds of cues. They don't teach you through words, they teach you through emotion.
1: And that's kind of what you were feeling. Right. And so, like, I always wonder how my. Uh, romantic development was Mm -hmm. stunted by not being able to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in elementary school or middle school or high school and even the first year of college Mm -hmm. right like I was never comfortable enough like I didn't even like do anything sexual with a guy until I was like 18. Wow. And so it was like oh first of all how (laughs) dare you. (laughs) I'm Um, not
2: judging. No but like I I just a thought crossed my mind. Well yeah but like I
1: was like there were a couple (laughs) of instances where I was like Oh yeah, I'll have a crush on this girl. Like yeah. he was like, and it was like and one of them was my best friend and I I had this thing in my mind where it was like, Well, if she's my best friend and she's a girl, I guess that means we're supposed to be together, right? Yeah. And so I would I was like trying to like pursue yeah. that with her and she was like,
2: She was
1: like, That's real cute, but no. Nah. <laughs> right. And I'm like really great. But I was like devastated. Right. I, I remember I remember, like, NSYNC was hot shit then, and they had a song called Selfish. Okay. And I played that CD on my anti-skip CD player for 12 Jeez. hours straight, just, just nonstop. stop Listen, uh-huh. my little lime green Sony, you know, disc uh-huh. man. And, like, I
0: was just like, oh, my God, I'm devastated. Like, yeah. she won't be with me. And oh, I re- wow, you you had, like, you did not... Now, was there a legitimate emotional sense of rejection that you had? Oh, my God,
1: yeah. Yeah. because And I remember saying to myself before, like... I'm clear that I might be gay, but if it works out with her, maybe then I'm not. Maybe I'm not. And Ooh. I said to myself, Fuck. like,
0: do you understand how crazy? Yes. We put enough pressure on these little relationships, all in to yes. have your entire identity on if yeah. she in says balance, yes. Absolutely, wow. And
1: I said to myself, like, if she says no. Maybe I have to go and just be gay. You know, it is funny that you say
2: that because when I was in eighth grade, I had a girlfriend. Oh. And I had a girlfriend for that exact same reason. I've always been a rational person. And I was like, okay, let me weigh this out, right? Yeah. I was like, let me try, you know, and see. And it... We were we were literally girlfriends yeah. like
1: yeah, we like, were like literally <laughs> yeah. like
2: girlfriend and it, it was eighth grade so not much was going on and then the, literally the following year my freshman year of high school is when I was like look this is this is what what time it is right. but it's interesting that you when you were talking about the sermon that you heard when you went back uh, to church and how like. I know this is often discussed about how like LGBT issues are like put on a pedestal when it comes to church because like you never heard the pastor say like single mothers don't let your sons grow up to be a deadbeat dad. Mm. You know like things mm. like that. So it's all these messages mm. that we hear growing up. Right. Even though I really didn't I didn't hear it from church. I heard it from the neighborhood. Right. I don't mm. think I ever heard an anti uh I had big
1: ears and I just heard elephants. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like
0: I was like big ears joke yeah, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you you guys, you're dealing with all of this stuff uh, when you're growing up, then you get, you, 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 you finally get to a point to where, um, when would you guys say that? Like it, when you, when you, when you talk about the fact that things were awkward or things were stressed, when did it become completely okay with you to be you? At what point, like, like, for, like, not that you're you're doing it, but begrudgingly, and you're, but at what point in your life do you go, I'm me, this is me, and now we're okay?
1: So my first two years were in community college, and I moved away to Clark Atlanta yeah. my, my junior year, and so that last year of community college transitioning to going to a four year was when I come out, and I remember after I came out to my mom, I was like, there ain't fuck nobody that could find out. Yeah. That I would care, right, you know, like the pastor who mm-hmm. said that,
0: like right. nobody could find out, and I would care, mm-hmm. and that so basically was like, what you're saying is like you being okay with it coincided with you moving to Atlanta. Wh- well, his mom no.
1: <laughs> I see what you almost did
0: there, and I almost went down that path with you, so <laughs> it
1: was it was almost that. But like it was coming out to all my right. mom, and then moving to Atlanta. And then moving to Atlanta. But like it wasn't necessarily about Atlanta so much as like a black gay haven. But like right. it was also like being in college, being away, like living semi sure. on my own with roommates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just and not just figuring it out. Yeah, and like having the autonomy to like to start making other decisions. Mm-hmm. And like that first year, I wasn't like really comfortable in my skin, but right. I was like figuring it out. And then I moved off campus and moved into like a, a house with like three other roommates, and like they were all gay. And like it was the f- it was like the switch was turned on. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like we can like be ourselves here. We're people. We're human we're beings, human beings. right? Yeah. And it was like mind blowing to me because I felt like my gayness, like if it were on a dimmer switch, it was like wham! Oh, like wow. that next year, yeah, yeah. and I really like was able to just like be myself and feel comfortable and like you know live out loud as they will say um, and that was when I first started like really dating and like having sex and like being able to go out in the social scene and like really feeling comfortable because
0: yeah after I came out like
1: I said it was like I don't know anybody that could find out that it wouldn't matter to me yeah. anymore yeah.
0: Once once you started you started dating a lot like you wild out a little bit okay man you went and got it didn't you slow down yeah okay. you did like we want to hear it listen okay what, like, so, like, you were like we like you
1: it was get, like, it was a dark and stormy <laughs> night and, no but yeah like right. yes but sure it like, I, I was the first time that I you know met someone and and he was like my boyfriend right uh-huh. and like I remember getting my college refund and it was his birthday and I was like <laughs> oh, we're going to we're going to uh, the Red Sundial lobster. restaurant no 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 it was Sundial <laughs> what the, what the which fuck is on the sundial? top of the West the Westin Hotel in Atlanta okay. it's like a rotating restaurant it was the first time I'd ever bought dinner that cost more than a hundred dollars oh, so I thought fancy. I was hot shit <laughs> yeah. you know with the refund check, <laughs> with my refund check of yeah. course I was like this is more money than I've ever seen yeah. in my life yeah. like a hundred dollars for dinner I got it I you just know bought
0: video games with my Shit. Yeah, no, that wasn't yeah, my was, story. I, was, I bought shoes. Yeah, no,
1: I was trying to impress my gay boyfriend. <laughs> right, <laughs> like that was, <laughs> it was like I bought a laptop
0: and dinner. Right, like I yeah. was, I was excited. So yeah. Um. So what about what about you, Char? What was the I The question for sure. was, at what point are you like just that? Okay. That, but you seem like, to be honest with you, that you. You didn't give a fuck from the beginning, really.
2: Well, for me, I, I mean, I did have boyfriends in high school. I yeah. did, but interesting enough, they never. We never went to the same school. Mm. But ah, I did I have I did have boyfriends in high school, and um, as far as like assimilation, I had a a decent group of girlfriends in high school that it, it was almost like a fairy tale. Like we would go out on group dates. Uh-huh. Like we would all go to the movies like them and their boyfriend than me and my boyfriend And uh, this was in particular senior year because I broke up with my boyfriend because I knew I was going to college And I, you know, it's oh, a different time I was 18 and I broke up with him I mean, I I, I wasn't into long-distance relationships Before. or even trying to keep that up yeah. I even knew that at 18 uh-huh. like well the end of the road has hit and you know, yeah. so uh For me, I want to say that's when I uh, had stepped into myself. But I had to come out twice, technically, because I came out once as gay at 15. Mm -hmm. But the more I was exposed to uh, different media, the more I read and taking women's studies classes and learning about Miss Major and Laverne Cox and Janet Mock and just seeing all this representation. Isis King. Mm -hmm. Everybody's all over media right around the time that I am around 19. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had to come out again, and I wrote an email to my parents, and I let, because I'm one of three, so I let my sisters, it's three girls, let my sisters uh, proofread it. And I sent it to my parents and that that was coming out to them too. Yes, because Uh. well, no, no no. I told my sisters and I was like look girls This is this is what and you know They were on board because they really did not know anything other than their non-binary older sibling and so uh, My parents when I came out as trans and told them, you know, what time it was gonna be My dad did not believe me (laughs) He, He was resistant Um, It took him about a year or so to get on board. He wasn't like an asshole to me. It wasn't like he shut me out or stopped, you know, supporting me financially or whatever.
0: Or disowned you or anything.
2: Yeah, I didn't have to deal with any of that. I had tons of peers and classmates, like when I was in high school in particular. Uh, We'd have like these little LGBT meetings, and that that was really my first front row seat to, oh, my grandma went through my room and read my diary, and now I'm living on so-and-so's couch. Like, she kicked me out. These were like 15, 16-year-olds, and I was like, because that wasn't my world. Even, even being black and trans, I realized the specific. Uh the specific pair of shoes that I've been given as far as having a supportive family. Cause I do have a supportive family unit. And so, uh, even with my mom, I emailed her and I remember she came home and she, I was like, did she get it? Like she's cooking dinner and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she did not respond until the next morning. So I woke up to an email and she was just basically, even she had some, she had a lot of questions. That was it. Like oh, and, a lot and, of questions. And I will say with
0: specifically, um, with, Trans members of the community or trans Americans, trans people, there are more questions. Like, yeah. there are questions that, like, because every story about how you kind of came to that conclusion about your identity mm-hmm. and who you are is vastly different, right? Even how you choose to present. Even how you choose to present, it's all so different that there are a lot of questions. And sometimes, I'll be honest, as a what am I? I'm a am I, I'm a cis. You're a cis. Man. I'm a cis straight man. Yes. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> from what we know, right, I don't you like are, work, if you want to
2: if you want to break it down in academic terms, you are a, a cis, cis straight gender man. heterosexual man.
0: Cisgender heterosexual man. Yes. So as as that, sometimes you don't know what questions it's appropriate to ask. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that doesn't. I'm not saying that that's a huge. That's I'm a, I feel burdened by that. Yeah. But, in like. For better understanding, or or even sort of a kinship, you know. And sometimes, you know, these guys are white, and uh, I allow them. Hit that W real hard. They're white. These oh, guys are white. 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 That, I just hey, love that. Hey, yeah. white is an aggressive word. To, it is. it they is. white. I get that. Like they, <laughs> hey, y'all cool, but guess what y'all are? Y'all white. White. You um, said it wrong. And so and so, you know, sometimes we talk, and <laughs> they have questions about yeah. different things that I might be passionate about, and we discuss them. Uh, how do you have those conversations, uh, sp- specifically like a- as a trans woman, how do you have those conversations with people like myself? Are we allowed to, is there a point that the questions become intrusive and disrespectful? Yes,
2: there, there is a, a line.
0: Okay, t- um, talk a little bit about that line and talk a little bit about how we are to better understand the experience.
2: So for me at this point in my life as a 31-year-old fully formed woman... On, I find, <laughs> I find it, it gets a bit annoying, right? Because everybody who does not understand certain things regarding transness expects you to be a teacher, which I used to did mm. not have an issue I with. See. But the older that I get, the more I'm like, look, you have we walk around with these devices in our pockets and purses and mm-hmm. we can Google everything else. At mm-hmm. this point in 2019, there's tons of examples, representation. Like literally I feel like anything that you would like to know regarding transness, unless it's specific to me, you can literally find within the first page of the Google search. Right. You just gotta read. Right. And I don't feel that it is my job. I know that, you know, there's still some some trans men and women out there who have no issue uh, you know, educating, so to speak, but it can get exhausting because I I'm not an alien, right? Yeah. So, uh, but it can get exhausting, and I think it's all within the approach of the question and how the question is framed. Okay. Because I can typically tell by tone. Where the direction's gonna go. Sure. And where they're coming from. And where they're coming yeah. from. Yeah. Thank you, Jared. And where they're coming from. So uh, that that's the only time it, it gets exhausting to me. Hmm. Because it's like there's so much more. I always tell people, for me in particular, it's so much more to the sharp pie than my transness. Like my transness is not the end all be-all of my experience. I'm a hmm. sister, I'm a I'm a broadcaster. Like, there's so much more to me than that, and I just hate being defined by it in certain spaces, that's what I'll
1: say. We were having a conversation in the lobby before we came in here about how last week I heard someone reference themselves as trans non-binary and I heard that and I was like confused and we have a mutual friend who is uh, gender non-conforming and I was like, okay, I'm really confused about what this means and I think oftentimes people hear LGBTQ or LGBT and think like, all of us have the same experience, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like I still have questions that I wanna make sure that I'm saying the right thing. I always joke like being a liberal is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> yeah. but like what, am I saying the right thing? Did I say this the right way? Am I understanding this? And like trying to understand like the, the best language to use.
2: And and even I and don't have, even me as a member of the trans community, I'm still learning. Yeah. Especially when it comes to non-binary and the they, them pronoun. And you know, there's been a lot of hubbub about, you know, there's it was uh, trans women of color who were on the front lines of the gay rights movement, Uh but the T is the only letter in the acronym that has nothing to do with sexuality. So it confuses a lot of, like the T is literally based in gender, that's it. And the L, the G and the B are literally sexualities. And so it further complicates the conversation for a lot of people because they're like, okay, I don't.
1: But I I always say, and I, I have this conversation more with like white people about blackness, um, there are plenty of people, people are, are gonna fall on two sides of the spectrum. There are gonna be black people who are like happy to answer your question and be like, what is the question that you have for mm-hmm. me about right. blackness right. and then right. there are the black people who are gonna be like I am not your Google I I am not. It's not my job and the same thing happens with LGBTQ people and like and I think both of those people are right yeah. Right both of those people's feelings are valid about like I shouldn't have to like Expose my trauma for your understanding or I shouldn't have to like dig through my experience mm-hmm. to help you get it right. But then there's also people who are like I would rather you ask me a stupid question or you know yeah. or, or Be a little bit vulnerable and ask me a difficult question and me give you the right answer as opposed to you getting the wrong one. I'm more of a like ask me the stupid question person. Right. I know Shar is saying like don't. I don't always want to
2: the It depends. I well, it depends on the
0: relationship I have right. with See, the So, person. so, so two things. Number one, I'm okay with any dialogue with anyone who I trust. Yeah. Like if 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 I have Same. one. Thought in my mind that you fucking trying to play me. Mm -hmm. We done Mm -hmm. and now we're now we're at odds even when I say trust I mean trust that you're even just a decent person You can have all kinds of problematic views But if you're coming at me and you're not trying to sun me or you're not trying to Put a nigga back in his place. Mm -hmm. Then we can have a conversation. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's cool I think in these situations the reason why I would ask is because I give you an example uh, a couple of years ago, th- when the bathroom uh, bill was yes. a big deal, right? i Carolina. I'm ha- right, exactly. I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine. This friend is a little slower to, good man, but a little slower to sort of uh, be on the right side of that. Okay. Um, having some reservations about it, a guy from back home. I'm doing my best to explain uh, why trans people... Uh, pose no threat Mm -hmm. to his daughter going to the bathroom and I'm doing my best, which is a wild thing to have to explain someone. And I realized two things in the conversation. One, I, I, whereas my common sense can explain that Mm -hmm. I don't know enough about the experience Mm -hmm. to even be able to translate to somebody who has that right. Who, who, who who has those terrible notions in their head. I don't even know enough about, uh, when and how you identified, like what, because they'll throw all of these things out there, and you to, can answer. Them. And I can't answer the questions. To me, I would like to know as much as possible on a human level, so that maybe if I'm in a room that you're not in, mm-hmm. that I can speak for you or, or
1: speak with you. I will say when we had you on the panel, it was the first time I had, had like conversation with you and it was right after the, the big Kanye moment yeah. happened here at Tim Z. Oh and, like, God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It was <laughs> literally
0: like, like, not even a month. It was it was within weeks, yeah. 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 Um, By the tethered. way, yay, is me and your anniversary next
2: week. <laughs> I still think One year, babe. I still think he's a tethered. I have a theory. Oh, oh okay, okay. that's nice. a different day. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different show.
1: <laughs> um, but I remember uh, you being on the panel and just the way that you like framed a question or like contextualized a statement. It said to me like, "Oh, this is a safe person to have this conversation mm-hmm. with." Right? Oh, I see. And so like the way that a, if, if a white person walks up to you and asks you like some question about blackness, yeah. like you can tell by like the way that they they pose their question, yeah, whether or not this is about to be some bullshit, yeah, or, right? No, that's you okay. know? Yeah, and course. so it's the same kind of thing, and and I can I can. Kind of get the feeling of like, hey, I'm really having a hard time trying to understand, as opposed to why do y'all do this, right? You know what I mean. Right. So it's like it's that kind of thing. And and I would, I I remember being in college. I was in a communications class, and this white girl came up to me afterward and was asking me about why we have Essence magazine. Isn't that racist? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, this is an opportunity. So I said to her, I was like, "Um, are you a sports fan? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, so if you want to know what happened in the game this afternoon and you're watching the news at six o'clock, you get that last segment at the end of the show and they talk about about sports. Right. And she was like, yeah. But I was like, but what if you like really wanted some like in-depth conversation about sports and like what happened in the game, the highlights, you know, conversation around it? What would you do? She was like, oh, I like watch ESPN. I was All like. Right.
2: You're not going Aww. to. You're not going Poor to. Good you got it. You know. I, I said. This, I said. Like
1: that applies everywhere, Poor right? Thing you got it, right? Yeah. I was like, we Essence magazine is because, like we don't see ourselves reflected in all yeah. these other things. I was like, and I think Jennifer Hudson had just been like on the cover of like Vogue or something. And she was like the first black woman since yeah. know, creation. And I was like, how many, how many covers have
2: they done of that magazine? Yeah. Like, we're just
1: now getting a black. Even woman with there.
2: photographers. I did yeah. want oh, to, I different. did want to circle back to what you said about the bathroom bill, because I feel like a lot of that is rooted in a lot of the rhetoric surrounding that was rooted in conflating the LGBT people with pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Like how you said your friend was concerned about his daughter. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, um, like the, 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 he
0: was. The, he was concerned, and here's the problem with this. This is the problem with this, and this is the problem that I really struggle with. I've known this person for years. Yeah, I would trust this motherfucker with my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you understand yeah. that? Like, if 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 like, do you, do you get that? Like, if it was if everything crumbled and I needed somebody to feed me, this would be the guy that person. would feed me. Right. This was the guy. But, but, but everything in my being tells me that this is a good person because he is a good man. Yeah. But the reality is, and the frustrating part of that is, I want him to be good in all aspects. When people say, oh, you, we disagree on this and stuff like that, cool, but I want you to agree with me on this. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes I feel frustrated that I can't impart on him what he needs to hear yeah. to be able to be like, my G. Come on, man. And so, to to your point, that's why that conversation dangerous. was the, the conversation was so desperate to me, because I, I I like I didn't have enough in my head to make them see. I also
2: like, I personally have never had any issues in the restroom ever, and that's why I stress to people who say they've never met a trans person. Chances are, statistically, you have. You just didn't know yeah. because you were looking for. Like what I mentioned At the beginning Of this episode Like certain Secondary characteristics Physical characteristics That you've been Conditioned to associate With trans people Uh And I also uh, Feel like there's been This erasure In the media Of trans men Right Trans men exist So everybody's talking about You know with their pitchforks Wow what a great point You know Discussing the bathroom And little girls And I'm not I'm not trying to Point fingers and things But it's like you know Trans men use The men's restroom too But it's just this Automatic demon and targeting of trans women in particular mm-hmm. and and I don't know why and I like I that's said, that's not a patriarchy. call That's not a call to oh demonize trans that's not oh. what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's just been an overall erasure of them from the conversation from the larger conversation Positive conversation on top of that when it pertains to transness. I think that's
1: rooted in patriarchy because you in the workplace like uh, like straight men are much more comfortable with a lesbian than mm. they are with a gay man, okay, yeah. right? And so like, they look at the gay man as being effeminate or, or less than a man, but they, they see like some masculinity in like a lesbian. And like, oh, well she watches the game. Or, right. oh, she likes women too. Or like, she be hooping. Exactly, right. exactly, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean,
2: maybe she do, yeah. Yeah, maybe right?
0: She like, so, you know, sometimes yeah. they hoop. Well,
2: even how women are given the freedom to, <laughs> even right. how women are like given the freedom right. to experiment with their sexuality, and men aren't. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's all conflated. But I I just wanted to definitely touch on that because I I personally get so tired of this narrative that LGBT and and pedophilia are holding hands, skipping, you know. Uh, yeah, down I the think street. I mean you know, and to be quite honest, we we I, I think a lot of times
0: people, the most dangerous part of it is uh, well one of the most dangerous parts is that pedophilia in and of itself is humanity has agreed that it's one of the worst, most abhorrent crimes that anyone can commit, right? If if you take a child who hasn't accessed their adult self yet, Mm -hmm. doesn't have the mental or physical Mm -hmm. ability to consent, to make informed uh, decisions about sex, Mm -hmm. uh, their bodies can't even really handle sex, right? And then you rob them of that process of growing into that. Mm -hmm. It's just something that they can never get back. It scars people. When you take that crime, which we've Is the worst of the worst, and you attach it to consenting, responsible adults who are living their lives. Yes. I was having a conversation earlier today, right? And uh, I mentioned that that parallel had been made, um, you know, uh, sort of indirectly on the podcast. And my homie who I was talking to goes, that's total bullshit. That's dumb bullshit. He's like, you know, if I, he, he says... Crudely, he goes, if I walk in and I see two guys having sex, I go, oh, shit. All right, y'all handle that. He's like, if I, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? He goes, he goes, if I walk in and I see a guy having sex with a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling him off. I'm pulling him off. Well, what he said was, if I had something on me, yeah. I'd blow his brains out. Yeah. Right? So so, so think about that, right? And so I was having that con- that conversation in terms of when we talk about things that we can disagree with mm. and move mm. on from. There are some things that we just can't stomach, right? And I'll be better about this, and hopefully everyone will be better about this, too, because if our reaction to pedophiles and pedophilia is that strong and it's that visceral and there's that much charge because we love children that much, anything that connects, to, that connects LGBT lifestyle to that, we just can't at all tolerate those ideas. So um, Nigel Shelby Mm. uh uh, 15 year old 15 year old very heartbreaking 15 year old young man young brother beautiful person Um, and I'm not saying he's beautiful because I knew Nigel Shelby. I'm saying he's beautiful because he whenever you see him in any picture He's smiling. It looks like he's having a great time Uh, Took his life uh, as we're recording this podcast would have been within the last week within the last week April Uh, 18th (laughs) I believe yeah, so well, then the last week he uh, he decided that um, uh, he could no longer be on earth because of the feedback he was getting from his community, the hate and the bullying he was getting from his community uh, uh, b- because of who he was. Now, this is a young brother. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is a young black man. Well, I don't want to make any sort of, I don't know what the makeup of his community is. I don't know what it looked like around now. Huntsville, Huntsville,
2: Alabama. Right. So I so
0: I don't, don't want to you know conjecture that but I will what I will say is when I look at situations like that and I see situations like that um it to me and I'm from outside of you guys experience is very difficult to wrap my mind around someone who at 15 uh just decided that life was too hard and life was too hard for a very specific reason sure. Um when you uh, first read about Nigel, what did you think? Um,
1: if, I, if I'm just being fully honest, I've done everything I can to avoid that story, to not read it. I saw the headline from out and it was a very detailed headline and I was like, not gonna read that. Um, in the last year or two, I've started really policing what I allow myself to see because mm-hmm. it's too traumatic. Um, that started for me after Philando Castile, mm-hmm. when I watched that video. Um, of
2: his daughter in uh,
1: the- Yeah. Like, yeah, and that was I, a lot. When I heard the little girl say, like, hold the mom's hand and like, it's okay, mommy, I'm here right here with you. Yeah. I've never been able to forget that. Yeah. And like, I sat and like weeped, wept, uh, reading that story and like, and being a part of like the conversation online. And so currently, like, there are stories that I just on depending on the day that it happens i can't engage it um when the Justy smollett story happened back before it was controversial um i was like devastated that day and like talked to so many of my black gay friends that i know um because like i've gotten death threats in my email you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i've had Mm -hmm. when i travel i don't put my name on a hotel room i don't you know what i mean like all that kind of stuff because like safety is a concern and like I'm a six foot three man, you know what yeah. I mean? Like and all of the, sh- the shit that comes along with with that image, right? Um, but like I saw the Nigel Shelby story and like it, it knocked a pause in me as my dad would say um, And I was like, I can't read the story. Hmm. I, I Because I know what it's like to be 15 years old and being called names Yeah, and to think like it might be a lot easier if I wasn't here and like I've never like attempted suicide, but I've definitely laid in bed thinking like mm-hmm. it'd be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with this. Damn. If I wasn't here. Um. So yeah, full disclosure. I I have not read the details of that story because it's too hard. Wow. I'm sorry that brought it up. Then. No. No. I mean, yeah. it's it's a part of, it's a part of this job, right? But Good. like, but it's a part of the experience, and like I I see that story, and I'm I just.
0: I, I refuse to read what, it. what what oh, I'm sorry Char, you were saying
2: oh I was just saying that I have read the story <clears throat> yeah um, when I first saw it I saw it via like a Facebook's uh, snapshot sure and I almost thought it was a hoax at first because I was googling and I couldn't mm-hmm. I didn't see anything I'm yeah. like where's the story to uh, accompany this snap thing uh, and it's been extremely jarring for sure, because much like you, I do. I filter what I read, mm. it is, especially as a Black trans woman, right? Because Black trans women statistically face the most violence out of the LGBT umbrella. 2. There was 2 just times a month or something, yeah, like, like there it, was yeah. just Malaysia Booker who was assaulted in Oak Cliff in, in Dallas, Texas, and thank God she lived to tell her story off of a traffic incident, like she hit someone's car and he just they went dog- ballistic. Her in the street, yeah. yeah. When they found out she was trans, it w- they went even harder. <laughs> I took- didn't even hear anything about that see and it took for it's on video i had to stay away from the video i didn't watch the video either i had to stay away from it it took for black women cis black women in the neighborhood to come rescue her and take her to the hospital and take her to the hospital Mm -hmm. like they're kicking her head and everything off of her in someone's car so, uh, yeah, I filtered through a lot of things. But Nigel's story just really, like I said, it was jarring. It tugged at my heart. I just watched a video this morning, actually, an interview with his mom. Because his funeral is this upcoming weekend. And they interviewed his mom. NBC did. This is where I watched the video. And... Uh, it, it just is it's so sad to think about. She details their last conversation, how she went to work. He was still in bed, was supposed to go to school. She got back home. He was still in bed, and that's when she found him. Mm-hmm. So they don't detail the the ways in which it happened, but it even caught her as a surprise because their last conversation, she said, was just fine. She didn't, and he had been dealing with depression on top of. His identity and being in Huntsville and his mom from what I see and from and the clips that they showed and from what she said, she was a firm affirming for him mm-hmm. like she was a very positive uh, place for him. But it was the community and the school and yeah. we don't know if it was coming from faculty and staff and the student body like Ooh, what I dealt been, with. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the story is 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 just one a constant reminder as to why LGBT a lot of LGBT people hold even casual homophobia and casual transphobia, we hold that to the fire mm-hmm. because these are the stories like Nigel's are becoming all too common, mm-hmm. and these are the 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 results of certain rhetoric, the results of certain jokes, mm-hmm. the results of certain things that certain people have mm-hmm. the privilege of just sweeping under the rug because it has nothing to do with them. And it's like intersectionality does exist. So when people pit Race against you know sexuality or gender identity. It's like black trans people exist Mm -hmm. black gay people exist black lesbians exist Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we ignore that as a society the more Stories we're gonna get like this because Mm -hmm. people are refusing to address like I said even their most casual of homophobia and transphobia
0: Do you guys feel in any way betrayed by the black community? I hear some Plenty of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plenty of day. I mean, not every day, not well, all the time. Know, but I'm, I'm not speaking for the black community as a whole. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is, we, we seem to sometimes. We rally around each other In other instances And do you guys feel like We don't rally around each other All the time
2: Absolutely. Especially when it comes To black trans women That's been something That I've been grappling with Within the past Like maybe four years Of my life How I have Every time There has been something That's happened Like a Sandra Bland A Raquia Boyd a, a Philando Castile You know A lot of black LGBT people Are on the front lines Of a lot of these mm-hmm. movements Even Black Lives Matter Was started by three black well, Queer awesome. women yep. And so so uh, it, it hurts. It stings a little bit when maybe I think. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there was a Sandra Bland video that surfaced where she was being homophobic. So mm-hmm. it yeah, sti- people. Yeah, yeah. It, it rubs a little salt in the wound, and then it also can be infuriating when uh, people. I feel like, and I feel like this is a larger conversation, right? I feel like this is per- in particular to black men. Because we as a society don't even pay attention to black women who are unjustly murdered in whatever facet, whether it may be a drive-by or police brutality. No one cares about black women. Mm. It's all the focus is on black men when things happen to black men. And it's even a lower notch on the totem pole when it's black LGBT people. And like I said, there's 20-something-odd black trans women who become hashtags every year, and no one talks about it. Uh. So yeah, it does feel like it can be a little. It, it, I do feel salty sometimes. I'm not gonna even lie.
1: I feel I feel it the most in those touchpoint moments where, like, Kevin Hart stories, the Kevin Hart story happened, or the Justice Smollett story happened, um, and and you see the division on social media right? instantly, yeah, immediately. instantly, because yeah. like I remember when when Kevin Hart happened. I remember thinking like, bruh, if you already apologized, like. But he didn't. Well, there's that, right? But he if you believe did. you already apologized, like... Why are you doubling down so hard? You just say you're sorry? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Um, and then, like, you'll see so many, like, black straight men and women um, come to the defense of stuff like that. And you're like, hmm. But, like... You Even think we're Jesse's your best mom. friends And you think we're your homies And like All that kind of stuff But like When it comes time to defend Black people um, Gay people uh, Or LGBT people in, in general Like you You don't see that same defense mm-hmm. But like black lgbtq people have always been the people always. leading the charge for for a, advocating for black people for for civil rights and all those kinds of things and but like it's not returned but you know? even
2: you know, you know what was, oh, sorry, I'm sorry go ahead i was just going to say piggyback and just say even off of the heels of the justice Smollett thing like when the news first broke it was there's they were spewing homophobic and racist slurs at him but even mm-hmm. like i specifically remember steve harvey made a post only addressing the racism <laughs> right like yeah. only like totally ignoring the other yeah. side of and it. it's like these intersections exist like My i, dad and I didn't
1: speak for a month because uh we've had like a, a up and down relationship or whatever like a, like all kids and their parents do but mm-hmm. um when the justice smollett story happened i heard from so many people that day like hey how are you doing and a lot of them were like black gay people, but even like straight folks have reached out like, hey, I know this was a really difficult day. And I think I'd posted like, I have to check out for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, it's interesting the people I didn't hear from. And then, when the story came out that he was being charged with all these crimes, mm-hmm. then it was interesting to me, the people that you all of those people hit you, up. <laughs> right? they all hit you up and it was like, whoa, isn't this crazy? And I was yeah. like, yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: interesting on the day when this is like really, really dark. It's like a like gotcha. Really ugly, right. Yeah. And it felt and like me and my dad have this long conversation about it because I was like, so I hear from you today, but I didn't hear from you on the day when it was like really, really hard. Wow. And we had a really difficult conversation about that. And he was like, you know, I didn't I didn't think about how that might affect you or you know, and it was it was a great conversation for us to have, but like we had like a really, really ugly text message exchange um when he was like, Did you see the Jussie story today? And I was like, nigga, really? Yeah. You know what I mean? After this. Right. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I mean the the black community and the LGBTQ community, they are definitely not not
0: always coming together the way that I wish that they could. So, interesting about the Kevin Hart thing, when Kevin Hart put that video up, saying that he refused to apologize, if you go look on that video, you'll see a comment from me going, I really respect you. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Like, at that moment, I had it in my head that this is the way I looked at things. And it was, it was something that, I, and it's still up, because I don't, if I, if I make a comment that I feel like isn't right, or if I put a post up that I feel like, I never go back and delete it. I get that. It stays. The mistake is there. You don't wash it away. You got to learn from it. Because right?
1: someone screenshotted it and they'll come back. Right. right. Don't, matter. right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> don't matter. Oh, <laughs> man, you have some shit to say. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And let me tell you why I put that up. And not necessarily that I'm saying that it was a mistake, but I'll tell you what my mindset was. And then we can kind of talk this out. What I had thought was that, okay, so where I come from, um, my experience was a little bit different. Having a sister uh, that was a lesbian... I feel like was a cheat code for me a little bit, and the reason why was a, I'll be honest with <laughs> I you. I tell you why is because I was around gay guys and lesbian sisters from a very early age. So we was in there playing Mario Kart. It just wasn't that big of a deal, and like it and it even when even when she didn't know that she was gay, I knew. Mm-hmm. Like you wore Tim's four days in a row now. Yeah. No, I mean, was a joke. <laughs> she hates that joke, by the way. Um, and like, and the third day was like. The third uh, day was uh, like. Yeah, it's you like, like, a was like, yeah, yeah. Right, but right. like, but and so for me, um, for me, uh, growing up, it wasn't. I I obviously made all the same horrible fucking jokes, mm-hmm. and did all the same. I participated in all of the fuckery, Um mm-hmm. uh, but I never really. Even that was me performing a little bit. I never really meant it, you Mm -hmm. know. Not that it matters. So, But what I will say is that being a younger man and sort of uh, seeing how people evolve and seeing how there are a lot of people who I know who've actually gotten it, who've actually... Mm -hmm. The the culture is so putrid or it's so... Not even putrid. It's so um, aggressive and really toxic towards you guys that uh, after a while you see people... Their minds expand and they, they actually do change. And even if they don't change and become allies or advocates, they change and they become people who don't have, legitimately don't have hate in their heart for somebody else's lifestyle. Go ahead. So, so my, my point while saying is that when looking at Kev and knowing that Kev had made those comments a long time ago and knowing that the only reason why they were revisiting this with him was because he was getting ready to host the Academy Awards – the first thing that my mind went to wasn't to y'all. It was to me. As a black man, mm-hmm. I started to say, yo, every time they have the opportunity to subjugate us and, make, and put us up in front of, uh, on display sure. and make us say sorry and make us walk between our, with our tail between our legs, and makes, they always do that. So if Kevin Hart doesn't want to apologize to a bunch of, right now I'm thinking white, if Kevin Hart doesn't want to apologize to a bunch of white people, the Academy, so that he can host the Academy Awards, you know what? Fuck them! How many times do we have to say that we're sorry? We all know that Kevin Hart is a good guy. We all know that Kevin Hart I don't know is that. it. Well, what well, this is how I'm feeling now. <laughs> okay. Like, and 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 even and even then, it's it's weird to me because I do think that Kevin Hart is a good guy, but I just think that he, sometimes we have problems understanding just how much, uh, just how our prejudice and the things that are inside of us, how it affects somebody else's life, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, when Kev said that it wasn't his dream to be an ally of the LGBT community, that was the first time that I was like, whoa. So, okay. You, you know what I mean? so, but, but I say all that to say this, though. I say all that to say, what has to happen for me, us, as black men, in that situation, not to feel, not to feel like the LGBT community Is because I felt assailed at that point like I was I was identifying with Kev to be honest with Mm -hmm. you Why why is there a divide Like, do a part of it is that sometimes black men have? Gotten it got fucked up by so many different people. We sometimes feel like the LGBT community is against us too when we're doing the best that we can
1: so you mentioned uh being younger and like how
0: performative some of like anti-gay stuff was for mm-hmm. you and like you didn't really believe it but like you would say it i remember when i say i didn't believe it i mean i've never in my life had an actual feeling of wanting to do harm or wanting right, right, to, right yeah but how, how performative that was right and so like if everybody the, else say the f word i'm gonna say
1: it too right yeah. exactly and so when kevin hart came out and was like so resistant to mm-hmm. apologizing and was resistant to the academy like that actually felt performative to me. And I saw yeah. that and I was like, um, but what are you not saying? What are you saying? And I just, it like, it really made me pause. And I was like, I felt like he was doing this performative, like toxic masculinity thing of like, mm-hmm. I ain't gotta do that shit. You know, fuck these white people, fuck those, those faggots. Like that's what it felt like to me, but like, I don't know Kevin Hart, but and but I don't think that he's like a wild homophobe. But I saw that video and I was like, I feel like he's doing this because he feels like he has to do this for black men. Mm-hmm. So then mm. the the Don Lemon statement came out about like it's not my dream to be an LGB- an, an ally um, to the LGBTQ community, and I was like, oh, maybe you are a homophobe, yeah, right? Because it was like the idea of of there's one thing to, like, be an ally or to not be an ally. But there's another thing to, like, Is state it, that I don't want to be Yeah. A, anybody
0: who's not an ally, an enemy?
1: Not necessarily, right? Like Depends can, on how you look at because, it. Because the same question can be look asked of, like, it. there are people who are my friends and there are people who are not my friends. And then there are people who I don't fuck with.
0: Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: like, there's a distinction there. So, for me, Kevin Hart was, I, I was like, I don't think he's necessarily a homophobe. I just think that he doesn't want to have to, I think he's putting this on. Then it was like, it's not my dream to be an ally of the LGBTQ community. So it went from like, it went to like the other extreme to me where I was like, oh, it's him then. It's almost Mm -hmm. like those
2: like certain celebrities who have said that I didn't sign up to be a role model, which of course you didn't, but the position that you're in, it would be nice, you know, that people have placed you on that pedestal. With Kevin Hart, what I wanted to point out was he's not, this, this, This movement of combing through tweets and old posts to rob people of opportunities is not specific to black men. It's happened to everybody. Um, And none of us are perfect. All of us are problematic in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Who's to say that I won't sign a big deal tomorrow and then here they come for me. But there were the the people who kicked that off were white gay people as far as combing through his tweets. You feel like there was any
0: design on that? Like they they like do you feel like that was is as bad as the tweets were, as bad as the the, the uh the the stand up was, was it a hit job in any way? I don't know. I can't makes, yeah, I, I can't say very, I can't say. I think that. it very well could be. Mm-hmm. And I mean do does I, it make a difference?
2: Um when when that story when, broke, when tweets are dug up, they're hardly ever genuinely like, "Oh, I came across this." Nine well, but, times out of ten, also, they are hit it jobs. Had also been discussed in like other articles, you know what I mean, <laughs> right. Rolling right. Star or something like that. So it wasn't oh. like it was
1: like buried and hidden. You and acknowledgments
2: I mean? are not apologies. That, I also want to put indeed. that out. he acknowledged it in the past, but he had never apologized for it. And Kevin has a lot of LGBT black LGBT fans, mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't think like what you brought up earlier between the black community and the LGBT community, that they should always be looked at as separate. That's why I keep emphasizing, not to say that they're the same or equal because they're not, Mm -hmm. but that's why I keep emphasizing about uh, intersectionality, because Mm -hmm. there are people within the communities who, who straddle both lines. And so I feel like we need to zoom out and look at the broader picture of... The joke about bashing a what was it like a dollhouse upside his son's yeah, head yeah, like he, he kind of knew he yeah good.
1: so that so to your question about like does it matter if it was a hit job or not it makes me think about the Bill Cosby situation right like yeah. there's all oh these people God. who had this idea that he was gonna be playing that's over NBC. Nah, he, <laughs> was about
0: to, he was about to, he was on his last payment yeah right. put NBC on yeah yeah uh, 97 he was so glad, to make his, glad that's over Tyler pay payment. was
1: gonna come pay after t- the layaway right so like but like. What came out of it was like way more important than like whatever the reason was. You yeah. know what I mean? And so when, when this happened with Kevin Hart, I was thinking to myself, like, uh, bruh, like no one handled this well. The Academy didn't handle it well. Cause nope. like y'all should have known about this. You yeah. know what I mean? He didn't handle it well because he was so anti-apologizing and then the I'm not I don't want to be an Prideful, ally thing. So prideful. I was just like I was like, no matter how this shit started, mm-hmm. like this was handled really shitty. Yeah.
2: His team, it, PR, like, everybody. It, it just completely turned me off to Kevin. Every Ryan. interview he did just got worse and worse, worse and worse. And, worse.
1: Yeah. and like I was one of the people who wasn't mad at like Ellen DeGeneres for doing an interview with him, even though a lot of black gay I people was. were upset with him yeah. about that. Black LGBTQ people were. Um, but I was like, I wasn't so mad about that. I felt like, you eh, know, whatever. But I, I just kept thinking to myself, like, you are digging yourself deeper and, and deeper, deeper and deeper, yeah. and I fuck with you less and less and less with every turn in the story. Mm. So I mean, whether or not it was a hit job, um, he handled it so poorly that I felt like it was illuminating about who he was and how he would handle these kinds of situations, and I pray where he stands, and where he stands, honestly, yeah. with yeah. him, yeah. like
2: you said, being so adamant about I, i'm not. Interested or whatever in being an ally. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, damn, Kevin, like. But I just was at the night school premiere. Can I get my time back? Well, you know, you know like, what
1: I mean? Right. <laughs> but also, like, and, and we talked about this with Nigel Shelby, like, that's why it's important that this mm-hmm. kind of shit doesn't just get, get passed over, right? Yeah. Because there are little kids who hear that and I who would, are internalizing it. I was a kid hearing you know hearing negative shit that made me think like oh it would be so much easier if i weren't here mm-hmm. um i wrote a piece in huffington post a long time ago called a child is listening that was based on this this uh lifetime movie called prayers for bobby <sighs> this kid who was super christian and he was gay and like he jumped off an overpass into traffic to kill true himself it's a true story mm-hmm. it's a true story and like it was it's a really great movie but there's a uh, a scene in the movie where um the mom has to go and speak before like the city council or something and she's saying to like to city to city leaders and clergy people and, and all of these different people. Like, every time you're spitting out this rhetoric, there's a child listening to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a child that hears that and, and thinks something, believes something about themselves, uh-huh. and and it changes who that person is. And, like, a Nigel Shelby uh, or, you know, the other litany of other children who commit suicide because we know that, like, LGBT teens are at the highest risk of suicide in, in America. Um, every time we we let shit like that pass, like, there's a kid who sees it who thinks like oh maybe i am shitty maybe mm-hmm. i do deserve to be beaten maybe i do deserve this this bullying maybe i do deserve you know whatever whatever hate i receive because maybe there is something wrong with me being gay maybe uh-huh. there is something wrong but, with me being trans maybe i maybe i am fucked up maybe uh-huh. god does hate me you know what i mean yeah. and you hear that from the pulpit yeah. You hear that from your parents? You get it from sure. all over. You hear that um, from
2: the president of the United you States? You may hear it from yeah. teachers. Exactly. Like, you yeah. get it from all over. But I want to emphasize that we, I think it's safe to speak for both of us, that we're not policing comedy. It just depends on how. So
0: that that's I'm, I'm going to come to that in a second. Okay. Yeah. I,
2: I think it just depends on how the joke is told. Mm-hmm. And we do need to acknowledge uh, at the time that the joke was told. And I'm. Mm-hmm. Using air quotes for joke, yeah. uh, was told it was a different time, and so as 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 society progresses and changes, you know you will be held to the carpet about certain things, and it's all about like Jared mentioned how you handle it, mm. because I believe that a lot of people's issue with Kevin was not the root of it, which was the joke; it was everything that came after it, right. with him just being just yeah. a, an ass.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I get it. Um, are are you guys mad at me if I still like Kevin Hart? No. That's you can, your business. Just making sure, man. His Netflix special
2: came out and I was like Did you watch it? I did You watch, So you watched I it. did watch his, his Netflix okay. special I fucking traded For one I, <laughs> I was not Listen fucking For one I was not home I was at a friend's house And, and, and he and oh, wasn't a stream On your account No okay. no He right. watched It's uh, only
0: one account We all share that I bitch, told him to watch Amy mm-hmm.
2: Schumer's Because that was my first time Watching her I'd never mm-hmm. seen her stand up And I was like Wow she's funny Like it was funny to me mm-hmm. And then he put on Kevin Hart's, And mm-hmm. I was not I, had to, I wanted to check my projections And my bias But I did not find it that funny Oh
1: listen It's to like you. is he
2: is he losing his touch? I was actually
1: curious <laughs> right. to see, like, if he was going to address like all of that controversy. Yeah, I
2: mean, he addressed his infidelity.
1: Well, yeah. there's that, but yeah. like, I, I, I think cancel culture is so stupid. Like, yeah, I mean how often do we like actually cancel somebody so like right. no, i'm not like that mad if someone still likes kevin hart right. i just think that he makes shitty he made some shitty choices right and i don't know if i can trust him mm. yeah i don't, I don't
2: know, know if like. i'd want to be in the same room with i don't know how he if when he found out i was trans how that may play over because i don't i don't know i don't know him and mm-hmm. based well, on how he acted later i right yeah. i don't want to make the stand up the showtime special two years from now Word. so
0: um you, you, you made it specifically. Two things I'm going to ask you guys about very specifically. One, you said something about jokes and comedy and things like that. And one of the, the things that have, we, we've been discussing, uh, and when I say we, I mean uh, an Internet sort of social culture. Sure. Uh, over the, uh, the last couple of years is I remember in a Breakfast Club interview, um, uh, Charlamagne asked Chris Rock, he said, what's the one group? Uh, A people that's completely off-limits. You can't make fun of them. You can't joke on them, and he said trans people Okay, Mm -hmm. trans people you can't joke on them. Don't don't mess with the trans people don't joke on them Um, Do you guys feel like at this point? That there's any part of the LGBT community that is too sensitive that like a part of a, a part of this is We all laugh at each other like black people when we're around each other we don't do anything but tell black jokes. Like we tell black jokes, we talk about how late we are. We talk about all of these things like that, and we don't let white people make those jokes. But but we but we <laughs> <just> <laughs> fucking relax. John's like whatever, but John John's, John's like I could th- tell half of the joke. Um, but uh, but do you when when people say. Uh, You can't even joke. You have to walk on eggshells. You have to be so careful. They're going to make you lose your job, your livelihood, all of those things. Is any part of that criticism to you guys
2: valid? Mm. Do you want to start? I'll say yeah. I'll start on uh, for the trans tip. Um, I'll say no, You're none speak of for all trans people. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying it's not I'm saying as the trans girl on yeah. the uh, this trans person on the panel, um, I think that no, like in particular as it pertains to to trans people, we are on the margins of society, like literally. And so I think it all depends on how the joke is told. And I know that even within when you break down the LGBT community plus community, there are certain jokes, That are for the kitchen table Right Like what you mentioned Like the black jokes Uh There's certain jokes That are reserved For the kitchen table Uh And others that we use out Like there's There's jokes With some of my girlfriends Who are trans That I, I wouldn't even say Around Jared yeah. Right And right. there's certain words That I wouldn't use Like I wouldn't use The F word Like there's just a line There's there's still lines Within the community As a whole So I would encourage people Instead of grouping Everyone together uh-huh. Under that umbrella Because I mean We are together But when it comes to, to Comedy and certain topics they're, They are very specific And nuanced
0: Do you Are you open to even Being the butt of a joke As a trans woman
2: is it de- it, like- it literally depends on uh, how the joke is told and the context in which it's told because most most trans jokes are uh, regarding transition Right I don't find my transition Nothing about It's funny If you misgender me I'm not gonna laugh at that Like So it's really it, it, I don't wanna say It's uncharted Like it, it shouldn't be crossed But I'm just asking you Legitimately how you feel It, because it depends it, on this, this how what creative people, you are What,
0: what, what the, when, when you're When you're in places People say They're so sensitive They just wanna get you out of here It's not even have sensitivity
2: fun. though It's mm. not sensitive. Even if you look back And I hate to keep doing this but Even if you look back To like the minstrel show Blackface era of things Right yeah. Do you think black people Were being too sensitive When white people Were painting their faces black And doing the jigaboo yeah. Across the stage No It's just It's not funny It depends on And even today We have white comedians And people who are not black Who tell black jo- mm-hmm. jokes About black people And it's all in how It's done It's all in what in, in how things are said It's all in the delivery Of the joke And I think that determines Your weight as a comedian But I also
1: think I with with using that example of like the mental Show and the blackface, like who was the audience they were trying to entertain as well? Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know that Kevin Hart is really trying to entertain gay people or LGBT oh he's gay not gay people you he's know what not. I mean <laughs> by by the things that he said? Like it makes me feel like oh I must not be a part of the audience that you're reaching out to. Um, I think about interesting.
0: So you so those it's not so much the joke actually separates you and subtracts you from the crowd and makes Absolutely, you wow. yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: I feel like when I, I mean, I I do that like on a much lower sense when I'm watching a show and like I don't, I'm not entertained by it. I'm like, yeah. oh, I must not be the audience for this. There's yeah. certain but comedians they, I won't go see. Right? Like yeah. when I watch the VMAs out, I'm like, I'm less and less the audience for this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But like, but when Kevin Hart says some shit like that, I'm like, mm, you must not really give a fuck about what I think. Or yeah. like, you know what I mean? And I mean, to be fair, maybe he doesn't. Everything right? has an audience. But I also, um, Forgot what I was gonna say Sweet because I had a really good point. Did yeah. yeah. I messed it up? You know, it's, no. it's, it's, gonna, you know, it's gonna come <laughs> no, to you. Like, come we to we like on it,
0: we on some completely cool, different it. shit. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Fine. No, but what but I, I guess what I was asking was, now I, I I'll ask I, I ask Char, I'll ask you. Uh, from tri- goat, you remember? Yes. So <laughs> I'm talking about. That's all you gotta do. You gotta jog you know, a little bit. You know and know and I, was, yeah. I started just
1: keep talking because I do that on the radio sometimes.
0: I do it too. But I just like, keep talking about trees right. and
1: I was like, or the oh, Yankees I it. Oh, or something. I and then right, it'll pl- exactly. right. Uh, I was Eddie Murphy. All of his like old stuff. Popped Delirious up on Netflix lately. And with the f word within the first two minutes of Delirious. Jesus fucking Christ. Right. He drops faggot like damn, yeah, damn, damn, damn like one after another, after another, after another, and I was, like, five minutes in, I was like, I can't even watch this anymore. Yeah. Like, I had to turn it off. And, like, but there's also, like, the context of, like, that was... Not acceptable, but it was more acceptable. Oh like yeah, them, right. I would and argue so, that it
0: was completely acceptable. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people. Yeah. Right? That, at that time in the '70s, they were saying the N word on TV on Saturday Night Live. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know I mean, and so like, and <clears throat> and I I was trying to watch it because I was like, I know this is like classic comedy and right. all this shit,
2: and he is a funny man.
1: He is a funny man, and, and there are people who question <laughs> things about him, but like, <laughs> but I was just like, I didn't say that, <laughs> um, but um but I just thought to myself like, God damn. Like, I can't even really sit through this. Yeah. Um. There's, like, Richard Pryor shit, right? That, like, uh, in the time yeah. that, like, people were more okay with you saying that kind of shit. But it, yeah. it wouldn't play right now. I watched... Uh, I, I remember, like, when 30 Rock was on TV. Um. I remember Love watching it and loving it. And then, like, I recently went back and watched some episodes. And I was like, I don't know if 30 Rock would play on TV right really? now. Really? Uh-huh. That's the Liz TV. Lemon yeah. show? Wow. Because yeah. they're, they're... I mean, like, 30 Rock in the office. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. And I was like... I don't know if 30 rock in the office would land the same way he was like i think 30 rock would land right now because 30 rock is like making fun of itself Uh whereas the office is like pointing a finger at an at an audience and like saying this is stupid yeah um and i think like and, and not to get like political, but like I think like the Trump supporter of America uh-huh. would see the office right now if it were on television mm-hmm. and maybe feel offended, mm-hmm. right? Because like there's a lot of racist shit in there, yeah. there's a lot of misogynistic shit in there, and so I say all that to say like I think a lot of it has to do with like the time that shit happens in, mm-hmm. and like who mm-hmm, the audience absolutely. is, because mm-hmm. I don't think I am a part of Kevin Hart's audience. Which
0: which gay jokes are okay? Um,
1: I mean, I think there are gay jokes where it's not like making fun of someone for being gay. Right. Like I was I, I'm a big Chris can you Rock th- fan. Can you think of Do one you like that's the
2: like- the Bernie Mac, the milk and cookies from the Kings of Comedy? Bernie Mac that never offended but, okay. me. Okay. Right?
1: But like I, I'm a big Chris Rock fan. And um in Kill the Messenger, which I loved, he talks about the word faggot and how it's not about being gay, it's about like what you're doing. Right. And he was like, for instance, I'm a I'm a Gwen Stefani fan, and like if I'm sitting at the light and I'm like, don't speak. And like, he's doing this whole thing and like <laughs> uh-huh. the light turns green and I'm like, la, 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 And like, it's like a really funny thing. And he was like, um, if you said, move, faggot. Well, he's like, I was being a faggot in that moment. And I was like, no, that wouldn't play if this yeah. if this were Amy Schumer talking about the word nigga.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that wouldn't rock if it was, if it was some other context. Even- and like black folks always like will push back on like the LGBT part of it. But it's like, yeah, but like if Maddie walked in here and told that joke about about niggas, he'd be like,
0: "Well, <laughs> yeah." Maddie, Maddie, tell Maddie, really Maddie. Maddie, tell he does that kind of thing all the time. But like, right. but
1: people would be pissed about it, right? Sure. And so, like, I'm I'm a person who doesn't say like white people can't say the N word. I'm like, you can say the N word, but there's consequences to that shit. Yeah, we had
0: to happen on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We had a comedian. Really? Well, we had a comedian on this. What's the guy's name? Josh Denny. We had a comedian on this podcast that I, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, and here's it, another real thing. Was a cool enough guy. You know, talked before, cool enough guy, after we kind of ended things cool, but he wanted me to know uh, just how important it was for him to say uh, nigga in one specific joke, so we sitting here doing the podcast, he said it, and I'm not gonna lie, the first time he said it, I let it slide, like, I let it slide because it's really, uncomfortable at yeah, this moment, yeah, like, I let it slide Shit. and then, then he, then he <laughs> said it, and then cause like, we, all, we all been there, then he said it again and I had to be like, yo we get it. The fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. like, what do you think? What do you think this is? There's that, That's because that you gave him
2: the pass the first time, well, so he was well, comfortable well, enough well, no, to I keep mean, throwing out nigga. No,
0: no, like it, it was. For me, it was a failing of mine not to have done it the first time. But the second time, well, actually, no. He said it, and then I told I asked him not to say it. Yeah, he said it. I asked him not to say it, and then he said it again. And then and then at this point, I'm pissed. I'm crumpling a paper, going yo. I asked you not to say that. And now you're crossing the line with me. You're kind of making me feel that way. And I guess the corollary is that because what I hear from comedian friends is things are never really going to be equal until the comedy is equal, until we can all laugh at each other equally. And so I guess what I'm asking is, is there any way to do that that's safe for you guys?
2: What I will say is that I do think that comedians' jobs, that it's always been comedians' jobs to be like the anti, right? Like they're pushing the culture forward. But one example that I was thinking of while you were speaking is uh, I was a fan of the Sarah Silverman Project when it was on Mm -hmm. until the Blackface episode. And I remember there being a lot of hoopla. She was in... Clear black face And then looked in the mirror And said she looked like The beautiful Queen Latifah I'll never forget the line Like literally She said this In Sarah Silverman Project My nigga I never saw this And people were Yes It it might be on the Hulu And stuff now But she certainly did And I remember I remember feeling uncomfortable In that moment But it was before You know the think piece And the Twitter Mm -hmm. And all of that And so I do think All in all Going back to my initial point, I do think that jokes can be told about any and everything, but the way in which you tell them determine your weight as a comedian. Like everything can be said, it's just how you say it, the deliver. Like you have to be the clever, always matters. clever context. Uh-huh. You can't be lazy with your comedy, otherwise you're going to feel the wrath. I mean, uh-huh. you're going to feel it either way, but. I feel like the the lazier and the more uncreative you are with your quote unquote jokes, especially as it pertains to certain disenfranchised and marginalized communities in society, you're gonna get the short end of the stick. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say one statement to you guys. I want you guys to uh, to just react
0: to this.
1: I just felt like a, a thing rises a little bit. What what happens? Like I'm like, where the fuck is that going? Oh,
0: <laughs> i just saying because it's something that I see all the time. It's something that people say all the time. It's a very simple statement. The statement is you black first mm. and what, the, what 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 that says is that your plight as uh, like uh, as a gay man as um, a trans woman is secondary and will always be secondary to your plight as being a black person on this planet. I feel like I
1: often almost always hear straight people say that
0: right well I'm asking Absolutely. Th- th- that that's yeah. what the, that's I hear that all the time i see it in the comments i see people say it when you hear that what do you think i
1: i I think like a straight person must have said that the same way like when when i hear something like that i immediately know like you're not taking into consideration what it's like to be me
2: and intersectional which i keep bringing absolutely
1: (laughs) right like i I think it completely misses the intersection if you will to to take that analogy like it, it ignores the intersection and i think it it says like you're black first Right? Like,
0: you're, I'm, yeah, right. You, yeah, like, not, yeah. not
1: you, Van, but like, but you like the person, the person that, that said it. No, I exactly. get it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's like, you're black first, right? Like, all of this shit shows up together. You know what I mean? Uh. And like, I'm black and I'm gay and I'm black and gay, <laughs> but like, one doesn't like supersede the other. Yeah. um, I can't like delete one for, for the day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, like, Wanda Sykes always talks about, like, uh, I remember a joke of hers where she was talking about, I wish I could like, get rid of like part of of being a woman like she said i wish i could just detach my pussy for the day and just go for a run in the middle of the night and i'm like oh i'm running but i don't have no pussy you can't rape me you know what i mean like like, no you can't detach those things right right. like i'm always black and i'm always gay and i'm always like that same intersection of marginalization so like as a black person when when i hear a straight black person say that to me i'm like you're either ignoring what
2: my experience is absolutely or you you're ignoring it actively or you're just completely unaware Mm. And there are I, I do believe that in certain instances there are certain hierarchies like I know when I step in a room You see the blackness and the womanness before you see the transness typically when you step in a room You see the blackness and the madness typically before you see the gayness, but that one does not cancel out the other and one does not Necessarily like you just said it's a, it's a level playing field. It's like you're all it's almost like you're all or nothing
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Listen, here's the deal man Um, This is Uh, this is one of those and not to drift into the world of hyperbole this is one of those great big problems and when I say great big problems I mean great big problems I mean it's not one of those things to where like all of these problems are, are are big but some of them are are smaller than we think like as far as what I believe that black Americans should do in this in this country in order to empower themselves there's some very easily attain goals if we just make up our mind, right? This one is different, though. This is different because this has to do with, this is fundamental, uh, these are fundamental questions of how people understand themselves, how people understand each other, mm. and of learned empathy, and of the actual cutting off of uh, natural empathy, right? Uh, because of what people are telling you, you shouldn't empathize with or you shouldn't tolerate or you shouldn't be around mm-hmm. or is bad for uh, society. Like there are people that think that there is a gay agenda in order to keep black population down. You know, <laughs> I like, you, you know what I mean? So, I have to laugh. I'm sorry. And, and so, and so get it. what What? in the simplest, stupidest question that I could possibly have asked, I'll ask. In, in, um, I came in
1: hoping I was like, I wanted to say to you like I hope you ask the stupid questions that we see on social media all the time. I know that you don't necessarily always hold, hold like the ideas that we see but like that's why I'm here. So right. like, feel free.
0: So like um, the the stupidest question, the really the dumb question is, is a very simple question. It's a question that's almost unanswerable. What do you guys want from the black community? Forget about community at large because I personally believe that black people have to uplift and support black people, right? We talk about how black women are treated in this society. Well, the white man is gonna treat the black woman in a certain way. I don't know how much we can control that, but what we can do mm-hmm. is control the way we, we treat, treat women. and uplift our black women and set very clear cultural and societal uh, consequences for them doing the same, right? Um, And because they're definitely gonna do whatever they want to sisters, if we do whatever we want to sisters, like definitely gonna. So what I'm asking is, what would you like to see? Like how? how, Like what are the biggest problems? What's lacking? What? What's the answer to us feeling like we're more? Shout out to Jordan, tethered (laughs) to one another.
2: I would like to see all Black lives mattering. Mm. Um, Not just the select few that, you know, we as a whole, I guess, deem to be worthy of acknowledging. Um, I'd also like to see, I guess, just more inclusion and acknowledgement because LG... What does that look like to you? It looks like more allyship, meaning that... And I want to be careful with my wording here because (laughs) it means... Freedom of ignorance As it pertains to LGBT issues Um, Because at this rate I think it's safe to say And correct me if I'm wrong I think it's safe to say That every black person Knows an LGBT person A black LGBT person Statistically I mean we all up in the hood Come on now Um, And so I would just like to see more I, I don't know I can't even frame What that looks like for me But my top three things I guess would be like like I said, all black lives mattering. I would love mm-hmm. to see that phrase really being put to use and not just as it pertains to black men and more inclusion and accessibility to the mo- more fran- disenfranchised people within the black community.
1: Yeah, I would love to see black, uh, black people um, not try to have like, such an ownership over the idea of civil
2: rights. Hmm. oh that's a good one
1: Um, i think we as black people have like this ownership over the capital c and the capital r Uh um and then whenever we hear the word civil rights Uh we think we're talking about the 60s and i think that like civil rights are are more than just like black issues right Uh like being gay then lgbtq issues are like those are civil rights issues. Mm-hmm. When we talk about education in America, mm-hmm. those are civil rights issues, mm-hmm. right? When we talk about all of these different things and like I really, really wish that black people didn't have like this hierarchical idea of right. our civil rights are supersede everyone else's because like the ways that we get free are when we are Helping our Native American brothers and sisters to be free, mm-hmm. the, our Hispanic and Latino brothers and sisters to be free, our Asian uh, brothers and sisters to be free, and you know, and women and LGBTQ people, like all of us, are marginalized groups together. Mm-hmm. And like the hierarchy, I don't think it does anything to serve. Now
0: you're gonna trigger people with that statement. I know. And, and, and the the and even myself, I'm to a point now, turned 39 last week, to where when's your birthday? April 16th. April 18th. That's what the fuck I'm yes. talking about. Wow. Um, I'm to a point in my life where it's actually where I felt that way at one point, but the problems that that exist in black America don't seem to be dissipating, don't seem to be going away generation after generation. And well, so I, I, start to gonna... think, I start to think that, yo, the only way for us to really get to where we want to go is to say... Everybody else, we care about you, but the only people that we need to work for is one another. Am I wrong?
2: I I, was gonna I say don't
0: that.
1: look at it that way. I do understand that, like, black issues are not all the same as being Asian mm-hmm. or not all the same as being LGBTQ+. <clears throat> but I do think that when we try and marginalize other marginalized groups for the sake of, like, lifting ourselves up... To by putting down other groups. I don't think we're serving anybody. Mm. I, I don't think we're serving black people I don't think we're serving the group that we marginal I have from. to
2: d- I have to agree with van on this only because the um, I mean I agree with you in the aspect of like the oppressed love doing the oppressing But what I when I notice as far as you saying like reaching across the aisle. I'm all for that But we need to first address the uh, rampant anti-blackness that's also Absolutely. in those communities like i'd love to you know show up and i do but i'd love to show up more i should say for other marginalized uh community like asian people and things but there is still and there's still this dark cloud of just overall anti-blackness it but feels like everybody hate black people I, I am
1: completely there with you what i'm saying is like we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, so I agree. The same I way agree. that we look at, like, Democrats in in the House, right? They're like, well, are you guys going to impeach or are you going to run for president? It's like, bitch, we asked y'all to run the economy, deal with infrastructure, have foreign policy. Like, there's you a bunch of shit all. that y'all got to be yeah, able to yeah, yeah. do, right? Yeah. And, like, we as marginalized people, and speaking about black people, for sure, like, mm-hmm. we got to be able to do more than just, yeah. like, fight our own fight. Like, we got to be able to work together. Right. We got to be able to, like... To, to coalesce around the issues. That is true. <clears throat> because, like, when we're talking about race and racism in America and white supremacy, like, white supremacy isn't only anti-blackness, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we see that with immigration. It's structural. Right? It's, right? It's, like, it's systemic. Right. So it's like, we've got to be able to, like, Yes, we have to be able to fight anti-blackness and say no to white supremacy and like and fight all of those things where we see it. But like we can't, if we if we can only do one thing at a time, right. I think we're we're not really helping anybody. And
2: acknowledge our heroes. Like it, it you know, there's tons of black people who have. Uh, Fought on the greater, on behalf of the greater good of progressing Black people mm-hmm. who do identify as LGBT, mm-hmm. and I feel like that erasure of their identity Absolutely. is a huge disservice. Yeah, the erasure when you talk about like the James Baldwins of Manor the world, Wilson. and yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it it does a huge disservice because literally we're all one. Yeah. Like you can't be citing and and. I've seen homophobic people on Twitter literally quoting James Baldwin every day. And it's like, do you not know what you're doing right now? Or Langston Hughes. Like, that erasure is a huge disservice. We're here. So, last question real quick. Last question. It's
0: a quick one. Are the refreshments good? At the LGBT meetings Where y'all try to figure out How to take down black men <laughs> Pretty good you guys, you guys eat and yeah. drink Pretty good Where y'all trying to figure out How to take down black men And fracture the black community ask, ask Char I do a pretty damn oh, good dinner gosh, party I like, do Like what, what, like, what do y'all eat When y'all sitting around With a gay agenda Trying to well, decide How to destroy the black it's community It's always multi-course Oh yeah, really It starts So it's, uh, it's multi It's okay It is I'll, I'll forward you the newsletter From yeah. last Alright You know it's but, Delicious yeah, it's Always
2: multi-course Right um, It's always Good wine Great wine I would imagine Tea light candles He has these great tea like candles when we come to our meetings. How many meetings do you have
0: per month to take down the black community? Wow. Okay, wow. we're going to keep that on the list. We're going to keep that down. Listen, <laughs> uh, you guys, it, we're done. Uh, I'm looking out in the audience here, and I guess this is the audience, and I'm looking at John, and John looks like he's very enlightened, man. This was a very necessary conversation. Uh, we out of here. Um, I hope that everyone you know just loves on each other. That's it. It's over. The podcast is over. Uh, tell before we
2: leave, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Yes, I'm at Jarrett Hill. Jarrett is two R's and two T's. Um, at Jarrett Hill on Twitter, Instagram.
0: Facebook. Oh, okay, Shar.
2: And I'm at Shar says so. That Shar with an S. S H A R. Got one. Of them sassy. Says words. so because what I say goes. And oh! that is on. <laughs> you can imagine what the hotmail email address was like, at like. You know what I mean? Like, and that's on everything too. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Shar says so. All right, we out.